of classes on the fundamentals of Judaism. And um, not just the fundamentals of Judaism from the perspective of uh, Jewish philosophy, but from the perspective of Hasidus. And um, I like to, uh, to, learn, to learn these classes. I think they, they give us a very rich perspective on, on, uh, on Yiddishkeit and Judaism in general. And to follow the same uh, series, the way that he presented them. Um, the Zohar says that there are three things that are bound with each other. The Torah, the Jewish people, and God. And the Zohar says that there are two layers in this connection. There, is, there are two layers of the Jewish people. There is their manifest selves, and there is their deeper selves. In Torah also, there is a deeper element of Torah, and there is a manifest part of Torah. And then also, so to speak, in God, there is a way Hashem is manifest and revealed, and there is also a higher and deeper level of godliness, as God willing to learn. So, the Chassidus, the, the, which brings to us the inner dimension of Torah, doesn't only reveal to us the uh, inner meaning of the inner dimension of Torah, but through the Torah, we get a deeper picture of all of these three, um, three uh, um, the Torah, the Jewish people, and God are all illuminated in a whole different, different, different way through the teachings of Chassidus. Every mitzvah has a whole different light through the teachings of Chassidus. So um, everyone said that the fundamentals of Judaism are since they're not really spoken about so much, the fundamentals of Chassidus especially. And yet, those are the hardest things to explain because people just gloss over them. Uh, so it's worth it to, uh, to delve into this a little bit and to figure out and understand a little bit more about who we are and what we're here for. So we see in this week's Torah portion a uh, very strong message about the essence of Jews. Um, there is a deeper connection that we have through the giving of the Torah, which God will get to later, but just in this week's Torah portion, in the, uh, in the first sentence of this week's Torah portion, we have something that, that underscores what a Jew is about. The uh, first verse of this week's Torah portion is God's words to Abraham, leave your birthplace, leave your father's house, and go to the land that I will show you. So Abraham is 75 years old, and he's already very connected to God in many, many ways. At the age of three, Avram recognizes Hashem, according to one opinion. According to another opinion, he was uh, 48, 50. And uh, the different ages that are attributed to Avram's discovery of, of Hashem are all about different levels of his understanding of Galmis. Well, what's cons- he, he did recognize Hashem at the age of three, but the deeper recognition at the age of 48. And, and yet the Torah doesn't mention any of that. Torah doesn't talk about Abram's discovery of Hashem. Torah doesn't. We know from the from the Talmud that um, Avram went with his father Terach to the to the worship of idolatry. They went together to serve idolatry. Morning, and um, and everyone when they finished the idolatry was was went home and they were done with the idolatry. But Avram was a lot more passionate than all the other worshippers, and Avram kept on. Uh, Praying whole day to the idolatry, the idols, and because of his attachment to the idolatry, that that that's what made him ask questions about 
what this thing really is, and that's what led him to discover that the, the idols weren't really real. So, and then, you know, from a, a lot more about Abram's sacrifice for Hashem, the famous um, encounter that Abram has with Nimrod. Uh, Nimrod is told by Abram's father, Terach, that my son's doing dangerous stuff. He just uh, destroyed all the idols in my store. And he's telling all my customers that idols aren't real. You got to talk to him. And Nimrod himself considered himself a deity, and he has an exchange with Avram. And he asks Avram, little boy, hey, why don't you, um, why don't you uh, pray to the gods like everybody else? Avram's like, who should I pray to? And he says, why don't you pray, uh, pray to me? I'm also a god. So Avram, like, well, you're a, you, you could, you're a human being. You could be killed with a, with 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 a knife. So why don't you pray to knives? Pray to metal. So Avram's metal, metal could be uh, burned with fire. Why don't you pray to fire? Well, fire could be put out with water. Why don't you pray to water? Well, water could be moved by wind. So why don't you pray to the winds? Wind is, could uh, be moved with, uh, a human being can stand in the face of the wind. So there's a cycle, and no, there's no real power and force in anything, and Nimrod summarily decides to throw Avram into a burning furnace, and a miracle happens, and Avram survives. So Avram doesn't just recognize Hashem, he is actively promoting and revealing Hashem in the world to the extent that he's giving his life, putting his life on the line, to promote and to share and to publicize God's name. And yet the Torah skips all of that. There's no discussion in the Torah itself, in the written Torah, of Avram's early life, of Avram's visits to the church of Avram's um, battling Nimrod, that we know from our sages, from the oral Torah. But the written Torah, the first introduction we have of Avram is God said to Avram, leave your father's home. The Torah mentions Avram in the previous Torah portion, just a few verses. Uh, Avram is born, gets married. And now, this Torah portion, God says to Avram, leave your father's home. Why, why don't we know about everything else? Why doesn't the Torah describe it? There's certain things the Torah um, uh, says itself, and certain things we know from our sages. How come this isn't considered something that's biblical? Why isn't this considered something that's important enough to make it into the written Torah. And the answer is, is that this, the, the, the omission of Abram's earlier life and the Torah's first uh, description of Abram with his phrase uh, tells us a lot about what a Jew is. What is a Jew? So, in the world, it says uh, the Torah that God made the world with four elements. He made the world uh, for almost four uh, classifications in creation. There's the inanimate, there's vegetation, there's animals and human, and uh, and then it says in other svarim, it says in the Kuzri and earlier Rishonim and er- earlier Jewish philosophers uh, were all uh, had divine inspiration, as it says in Yom Yom, that all of the Torah classics written till the time of the pogroms and in the 1650s, were all written with divine inspiration. So, in the Kuzri, in other books, it says that there is a fifth class in creation, there's a fifth part of creation, and the fifth part of creation is the Jew. That's what it says in, in the Kuzri. The question is, why don't we um, say there are five parts of creation? Say there's five, instead of saying that there are four classifications, and then say there is a, uh, oh, well, there's also a fifth one, 
Why don't we say to begin with? Why doesn't it say in, in, in the uh, in the in the description of the earlier Jewish philosophers that not that there's four plus one, which is the way it says it. It, it should have said there's five. There's inanimate, there's vegetation, there's animal, there's human, and there is and there are Jews. It's not the way it says. It says there are four, and then there's a fifth class. Why not say to begin with that there's that there are five classes, that there are five groups? The reason it doesn't say it that way is because the Jews aren't just another class in creation. They aren't just a fifth level within creation. The Jewish people are actually not part of the four groups of creation. They are, and why not? All of all of these four groups. This, of course, is a vast difference between between the inanimate matter of rocks and and water and uh, animal and a human. It's huge. Um, gap between what the, the, the kind of um, uh, spirituality and sophistication you see between between inanimate and human, huge. But the all the distance between them is still limited. The distance between one and a million is huge, huge distance. But a million compared to the infinite isn't. Um, the distance between a million and the, and the infinite is not a bigger a bigger difference. It's incomparable. There's no there's no there's compared to infinite a million and one are the same. The difference between a man and a rock there's there's how much spirituality, how much sophistication, but they're all in the same realm of creation. All things that God created, the things that God made. A Jew is not another thing that God made. A Jew is a part of God. So just like Hashem has no um, definition. Hashem is beyond all definitions, beyond all classifications. Hashem is no limitation. And all the things that God made, God made with limitations. God made that they should have certain parameters and characteristics and properties. So all the four things, the four classifications in creation, inanimate, vegetation, animals, and humans, they're all made with the, the their, their limitations. However, Hashem is not in any of these categories because He is the Creator. He made all these limitations, and just like Hashem is not considered part of these uh, part of these part of these groups, so to a Jew is also not. Why not? Because what is a Jew? A Jew is, as, as it says in Tanya chapter two, a Jew is a part of God. Let, let's, let's just this, let's just dumb this down for a second. Like, uh, what, what what makes a Jew a Jew is obviously not being religious, right? Because if you're not religious, you're still Jewish. What makes a Jew a Jew is obviously not blood, because because you're still Jewish, even if you don't have um, Jewish blood. If you convert to Judaism, you're Jewish doesn't, you don't have to be uh, white, uh, Japanese, Chinese. Any any person could be Jewish. So it's certainly not, not blood, it's not a race, um, it's not a religion, it's not a language. It's not like although we speak the same language. So what is the Jew? The Jew is the Jew is an actual part of God. Hashem put a part of himself, took a part of himself, and that is what a Jew is. So, just like there's no comparison between God and the rest of creation, so too no com- huh? Yes. Just like no comparison to God and the rest of creation, so too a Jew has no comparison to the rest of creation either, because a Jew is a part of Hashem. How do we? How we say A person who converts at that point and becomes chelik of invested in him. Of course, part to be that. 
Of course, when a person goes to Judaism, they they receive a part of God. Um, interesting, I saw recently, Rebbe said that you can't delay someone's conversion even for a second. Meaning, once, of course, you have to uh, lock the door to make sure that someone's sincere, uh, but once you know that someone's meant to convert to Judaism, you can't you can't delay the conversion even for a second. Why? Interesting, Rebbe said, because the Torah says you're not allowed to uh, uh, pain, cause pain to a convert. This person hasn't converted yet to Judaism, but the fact that you're 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 you're, you're delaying him unnecessarily, it's already considered you you are del- you're causing pain to a convert, even though he's not converted yet. But this guy is going to convert to Judaism, and you're pushing it off. It's you're 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 showing disdain to something that Hashem considers very precious. This person is meant to be a Jew, and, and you're holding him back. Uh, that there was once uh, someone Rabbi Gershom on the Goral called Hashem brought the Rebbe, and he wasn't Jewish, he was interested in converting. And the Rebbe asked Rabbi Gorelik, so when is the conversion going to be? So he looks at the Rebbe and like, it looks like this has to happen right away. That's what his sense is. He says, tomorrow. So Rebbe smiles and Rebbe says, 18 minutes in halacha is also considered a, 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 a long amount of time. But the Rebbe said it should be done as soon as possible. He converted to Judaism and he passed away a week later, two weeks later, very, very shortly afterwards. Um, so, so certainly the definition of a Jew is not um, is not defined by how into Judaism we are. Um, some actually speaking of convert to Judaism, someone convert to Judaism, and uh, I think that their spouse was Jewish and they convert to Judaism, and they came to the Rebbe, and I don't know the words exactly, but something to the effect of like the person who converted said to the Rebbe, "I want a blessing to be a good Jew." And the Rebbe said to the spouse as well, also the same blessing. Like there's, there's no, there's no, there's no difference in a convert and not a convert. So what, what is the, so what is the Jew? No, the Jew is the part of Hashem that Hashem gives you. Your neshama, your neshama is what makes you a Jew. So what is a neshama? The Alter Rebbe had various students who would be his attendants. They would take care of him and work in his home and take care of him at different occasions. One of them was the Meshe Valenka. Rishav Lenker was an incredible genius. Then a yom yom, that he prepared to see the Alter Rebbe for three years, so that he should internalize the experience. And for seven years, he developed and brought his his encounter with the Alter Rebbe into his, into, his, into his service of Hashem into his life. So Rishav Lenker was once uh, sleeping in the synagogue of the Alter Rebbe, and he was an incredible genius. It says in a yom he had the some incredible uh, achievement intellectually. I don't, even, I don't even know what it is, but he got it. And so Alta Rebbe asks in the middle of the night, he says, what is Gimel Al-Tes? What is God? So what's he supposed to ask? That's how he woke him up from his sleep. What's Gimel Al-Tes? So he has no answer. I have to ask him again and the third time, he has no answer. The Alta Rebbe said, Gimel Al-Tes uh, I didn't want to say Hashem's name. Gimal of Tess, he alone exists. What he is, we don't know, but he alone exists. Nothing besides him exists. Then the Altab asked him, What's an Hashemah? What's a soul? I don't know. Altab asked him a second, and I'm him, What's a soul? Altab said, A soul is a being that knows, that feels that he alone exists. Nothing besides him exists. So the soul the soul knows, the soul believes in Hashem. We, we, when you want to. Um, What's the expression of a Jew being a part of Hashem? How do you see a Jew as a part of Hashem? 
You see this in the idea of Amuna, the, the idea of our belief in Hashem. Now it's possible to believe in Hashem without having a soul, without having a Hashem. So what then is the difference? What does the Hashem bring to the, to the equation? In knowledge of anything, in, your, in our awareness of anything, there are two different models, or two different um, ways that we can know about something. The foundation of our knowledge of something can be ourselves, or the foundation of our knowledge of something can be the thing that we know. We can know about something because we understand that this thing must be the way it is, right? So the foundation of our perception of this thing is us. I understand this thing has to be. I understand this thing is the way it is. I and my understanding are the basis for my relationship or for my recognition or for my acceptance of this thing's authenticity. The existence of this thing is, is true to me because it makes sense to me. And the more proofs I have that this thing exists, the more, the more I believe, the more, the more uh, um, stronger I have a, I, I know that this thing is here. That's one kind of, kind of, um, of, of connection, that your connection to something is based upon you. The foundation of your connection to something is based upon you. Then there's another kind of connection to something. The reason why you know about something is not because of you, it's because of the thing, because of the thing, is, it, because of the thing itself. You see something. Why do you know that something you see is there? It's not because of you, it's because the thing is revealed to you, because you see the thing. It's not because of you that you know something that you see. It's because of the thing. The thing is revealed to you. you the thing, the, your knowledge of this thing is because this thing is, 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 is you, because of the thing, not because of you. So, so too, there are, there are many uh, non-Jewish philosophers who came to a real deep recognition in the, in the truth of God's existence and God's benevolence and God's kindness, and, and it was real, and they really knew this, and they, and they had proofs for it. And it was something that they, they promoted and they shared, and, they and yet it wasn't the same thing as Amuna, not the same thing as our belief in Hashem. Why do we believe in Hashem? We don't believe in Hashem because of proofs. We don't believe in Hashem because of logic. There are logical reasons that, that, that force us to say that, that Hashem created the world. That's true too. That's not the foundation of how a Jew knows about God. The reason we know about God is because a Jew is at a part of Hashem in him. What makes us Jewish is a part of Hashem inside us. And because we have a part of Hashem in us, that's how we know about Hashem. It's not because of, of, um, of logic. Rather, it's because, we, because just as we know about ourselves, because we feel ourselves, so do we have a part of Hashem in us, we have a part of Godliness in us, so it's even really more than something that we just see. Not, in other words, not just we, we have a part of us that sees Hashem, but it's more, we have, even something you see, is, it's, it's, it's still not you. It's something you could see, and then, and then you could um, challenge what you saw and try to understand what you saw. I don't know if you heard the, uh, the story I shared on Matzah Shabbos, but the Baal Shem Tov had a question. He always asked his students, his question was, what do you remember? And there's things you remember in your life that, that you've seen, that you know, that are, that, are, that are part of what you're meant to do in the world. But even though you've, know, you've seen these things and you remember them, when you came to the Baal Shem Tev, he then explained to you what you saw, what happened, with you, what, what, why these events happened to you, why, why you need to know about them. So to um, our, uh, our awareness of Hashem is really more than just something that we see. It's things we see and they're not really the way they are. We can see things in an you know, optical illusion and things aren't the way that, 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 that you, um, the way they seem. It's not just a part of an Hashem sees godliness. It's that our Hashem is godly. 
So if you would have all the proofs in the world that, um, that you don't exist, you still know you exist, because you, not because you see yourself. You know you exist because you are here, because you feel yourself to exist. It's not based upon logic, not even based upon your sight. You know about you because you, because you're here. So to our knowledge of Hashem, because Hashem is the actual part of Hashem, our knowledge of Hashem is because of who we are. Because we have a part of Hashem in us. And just like this is true regarding our awareness of Hashem, so too is it true regarding our service of Hashem. Our service of Hashem isn't only because it makes sense to serve Hashem. In the earlier life of Avram, till he was 75 years old, Avram served God based upon his understanding of values. He appreciated, he had proofs, he knew that the Talmud says analogy, took metaphor uh, for Avram's discovery of God. He says there was a guy walking around the palace, he didn't see anybody in the palace, and he's wondering, maybe this palace has no owner, maybe no one owns this palace. And all of a sudden, the owner of the palace appears and says, this palace is mine. A similar way, Abram is, is questioning and wondering and coming to the conviction that there is that there is a God. And all of a sudden, God appears to Abram. And God says to Abram, I have a mitzvah for you. When God gives Abram a mitzvah, it's a lot more than what Abram did till now. Why is it more? What's different? Abram's devotion to God was to the extreme. He put himself in fire. He gave his life. It seems like the ultimate sacrifice is what Abram did before before this Torah portion. But all that Avram did before was all based on his own understanding, his own conviction about Hashem and how why Hashem needs to be served. It was all about it was all about him and his appreciation. The foundation of his service of God was logical, was based upon his understanding why he needs to serve and how he needs to serve and what service means. All of a sudden this Torah portion, something new happens. God reveals himself to Avram, and God gives Avram a mitzvah. God says, I want you to leave your birthplace. What's unique over here is that it's something that God is telling him. It's not something that, that he is deciding how to serve God. It's that God gave him a mitzvah. The foundation, just like we said before about our connection to Hashem, is not based upon understanding it's because God is in us, it's a part of Hashem in us. So to the service of Hashem, it, has, it is not about our decision of how to serve God. The foundation of it is, what is the will of God? What does God want? And with that expression of God's desire, Avram's relationship to Hashem is transformed. It's not about him. It's about God's desire. What does God want? remember when I was in Yeshiva, and I was in one of my holier-than-thou moods, um, and I was discussing with one of the spiritual mentors in yeshiva, um, uh, the the uh, kind of service of Hashem that this yeshiva was 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 encouraging us to do versus what I felt was a lot better and more important. Um, and I felt like mitzvahim, like reaching out to Jews and encouraging to turn mitzvahs, is a lot more important than sitting with the Gemara all day and learning the Talmud. This is a classic. Chabad boy um, um, question. This is a it's, it's a rite of passage. Every Chabad boy uh, has this uh, kind of kind of question. Um, so, so what my uh, what this Hasidic mentor said to me was very very interesting. He said, "No, you need to do tomorrow, Maishi. Tomorrow you put on film. Make sure the straps are aligned 
so that you know in our customers you have three and four, make sure that there's a proper gap between the first three and the, and the other four. So what are you talking about? You're talking about your feelings, what you think, how you will, what's really important to you. But you're not asking what does Hashem want, what does God want. That's, that's the difference between the service of Avram till Lech Lecha and Lech Lecha. Lech Lecha is about God's desire, not about, his, not about his appreciation, his devotion. That's wonderful. It's, it's, it's extreme to the point of sacrifice. It's true. What's unique over here is now we have something, of expression of God's desire. And, and really, Avram's, God's instruction to Avram is emblematic of, of the, the stuff that his instruction was made of. God says to Avram, leave your father's house, leave your birthplace, go to a new land that I'm going to show you. In that instruction itself, leave everything behind, something new happening over here, is, is emblematic of the kind of thing that was happening too. Avram, leave everything that you're doing till now in your service of Hashem that you decided by your own understanding, I have now missed for you. I'm going to tell you something I want you to do. It, the foundation isn't anymore his appreciation, the foundation is, is uh, God's desire. With Hashem, um, continue God willing, I'm not sure we're gonna do this once a week or go in, in the order, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what people want to do. Let me know. We'll see. We we'll go back to discourses or uh, we do this once a week. Whatever. Let me know what, what you guys think. A great day, Zev. Great day, David. Great day, Beryl. Great day, Viva. Great day, Jonathan. Great day, Dr. Bressman. Great throat. <laughs> no questions, comments, Thank or criticism. You. No questions. That make sense. All right. Well, what do you mean by? Discourses versus. Oh, like, should we learn from a text or should oh. we learn just ideas? Oh, I see. All right. Where are you going to get these ideas from? 